So as we enter into sharing God's word today, um, we are going through the gospel of Luke, um, but we're not doing it through like chapter by chapter. Uh, we're doing it through a couple of different themes that we've seen and or that I've seen as I've been studying. We're going to spend two sermon series on the gospel of Luke, and this is the second message inside of the first sermon series. And, uh, and so we're, we're excited about that. And what we're attempting to answer in this part of the sermon series is what, how do I stay connected to God? How does the evangelist Luke allow me to see how God intersects with my life? And, uh, and, and it's kind of surprising. We've seen numerous, uh, last week we talked about how God intersects with our life through the written scriptures. Um, we use that as a foundation, and as we immerse ourselves in Scripture, we can see and understand what God is doing. Um, this week, we are looking at how God connects with us in a surprising place, um, which is in community. And, uh, and then in the following two weeks, we are going to look at how God interacts with us in um, prayer and then how God interacts in, with us in acts of service. And uh, these are really big ways in which we can understand how God interacts with us, and Luke really points them out. So at 19 years old, I'd been a Christian for my entire life. Um, and I had gone through good times and bad times and, you know, highs and lows and a lot of different things by the time I was 19 years old. It's almost half my life ago. And, uh, and so that's, you know, it's, it, was, it was crazy. But at 19, I was in a time where I felt distant from God. I felt like God was far off, that my prayers were hitting a ceiling. Like, literally, I'm in a room and I'm praying and I'm like, there's nobody else here and nobody's hearing this. There was no sense in reading the Bible because it was gibberish to me. It made no sense at all. It was confusing. And so at 19 years old, I kind of thought that like, well, I guess this Christianity thing, I don't know where to go with it. I don't know what to do with it. I believed so much. I had, I had I'd been so heavily involved and I just felt <sighs> disappointed, dry distant. Those were all Ds. And, and so I, I realized that it was, it was a challenging time for me. It was, very, it was very hard. And I didn't know how to get back to God. And the surprising answer for me was through community. The community that God had brought around me was the community that God revealed himself through. And I was amazed. So today as we go into Luke, we're going to take a look at um, how this works, where it works, and, uh, and, and what we're seeing. Before I get into that part of it, I just wanna talk about one of Luke's strategies of writing. Um, the strategy of writing we see is Luke tells us stories of God's gracious encounter with the world. That's what Luke is doing. His entire strategy for writing this gospel is to say, how is God interacting with the world? 
And he does it through showing us a surprising piece in the culture of his day. He's showing us the value of the poor. So Luke, more than any of the other evangelists, focuses a significant portion of his passage and on materialism and on the poor. And he focuses it and he says, these people are people that God values. He does it on the Sermon on the Plain. He does it in, in the parables again and again and again. And he says, these people are people that God values. And we go, well, that's good because as you know, 21st century Christians, we're like, of course the church should value the poor. Of course God values the poor. But in his culture, this is shocking. To be poor meant to be cursed by God. To be poor, to be without, meant that you were irresponsible with your relationship with God. Because God is provider, according to the book of Deuteronomy. God is the one who gives you everything, and if you follow Torah, then you will have everything you need. And it is only through foolish management of God's blessings that you can ever end up poor. And so for Jesus to say, God is with the poor, is shocking. It's shocking and offensive. And so, as we move forward in Luke, we will see the offense again and again and again as Jesus says, God is with the poor. It's not a nice platitude. It's an insult to culture. And so, that's part of Luke's strategy for what he's saying. He's saying God is doing something unexpected. And today, as we go through our passage, we're going to see that God is doing something completely unexpected in the person of Jesus Christ. So, how does Jesus experience God in community? How do we see God revealed in community through Jesus is another way of asking the same question. And I'd like to start off by saying Jesus reveals God in open spaces of community. Our text today, we're going to have two. We're going to look at Luke chapter 5, verse 1 to 11, and also Luke 5, 27 to 31. And I'm going to read it, and then I'm going to work a little bit with them both, and then we're going to move on through the service. So if you have your Bibles with you today or you use your tablet, you can open up uh, today's message and you'll see the text written there as well. And we can follow along or you can follow along on the screen if you're able to see it. We are working on this. Um, Luke 5, 1 to 11. On one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennarizet, which is actually the Sea of Galilee. It's just another name for it. And he saw two boats by the lake, but fishermen had gone out of them and they were washing their nets. So getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and he taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep, let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing. But at your word, I'll let down the nets. And when he had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish and their nets were breaking. They signaled to the partners in the other boat to come to help them. 
And they came and filled both boats, so they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so also were James and John, son of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men. And when they had brought back their boats to land, they had left everything and followed him. The story is shocking because of a couple things. One, if you were to experience God, where do you go? Where do you go to have that moment where you experience God? Where do you, where do you see God do something amazing and wonderful? Where do you go into the presence of God? Well, if you're a Jew in the first century, you know that you experience God in the temple in Jerusalem. That's where you experience God. That's why once a year you go to the temple and you, and you take part in the Day of Atonement. That's why... There's a whole set of things that you need to do before you are ready to be in the presence of God because we have all fallen short of God and his glory. We've all fallen short. And so we know as humans, as Jews in the first century, we know you can't just see God. There's a problem here. We haven't gone through the proper rituals. We haven't done our proper confession. We haven't seen the proper sacrifices done. We can't meet God here. And Peter's in a boat, and he's confronted with something that only God can do, where there were no fish. There was nothing all night long. For professional fishermen, there's nothing. And when there's nothing, there's nothing. It's not there. And they go out in the boat because Jesus said so on his own authority. And then they almost sink two fishing boats. Something happened. We have a God encounter in, ra- in, in the normalness of the mundane life. God shows up where God wasn't expected. God shows up. He wasn't expected there at all. They're like, seriously? And Peter's first reaction is learned. He's like, go. I'm not pure. I'm not good enough. I'm not ready for this. Depart from me. I can't handle the closeness of God here in my boat. This is intense. And he pushes away and he says, I'm not ready for this. I'm scared. I wonder how many times we've avoided coming into the presence of God because we didn't feel like we were ready. I wonder how many times we, I know I've done this, where I've condemned myself and I've felt like, who am I and what am I doing? How do I come into the presence of God because of what I just did? God must be so mad at me. I'm not ready for this. And here Jesus is in the story, meeting in an unexpected place in the middle of the mundane community. 
just normal fishing. And God meets with them. Our second passage is Luke 5, 27 to 31. And uh, th- here we have Jesus meeting uh, who becomes another disciple in community. So 27 says, After this, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector named Levi. He was just sitting at the tax booth. Jesus said to him, follow me. And leaving everything, he rose and followed him. And Levi made for him a great feast in the house. And there was a large company of tax collectors and others reclining at the table with him. And the Pharisees and their scribes grumbled at his disciples saying, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus answered them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick, I've not called to co- I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Okay. Wait. Jesus. If you're really God, and if this whole thing has been true, you're supposed to not be making God so loosey-goosey. You're not supposed to be making God show up in the middle of nowhere. You're not, you know, it's just like, these guys are the rabble, the, the, the not good enoughs, the ones that aren't even trying, the ones that they don't go to church at all. Why are you, God, hanging out with those people? And God goes, I meet with people in community. I'm not here for the healthy. I'm here for those that don't know me yet, who need to be called into relationship. I'm doing something different than what you expected. And so God meets people in community. See, we have to ask the question now is how the community experiences God in community? How do the people experience God just in their normal life? How is this happening? What is God communicating here that's different than what had been communicated through the whole Old Testament where these are your ways, your set procedures that you have to do for God to meet you? How, how is it now that God is now meeting with people just out in the open? What's, what's going on? How does a community meet with God? And Luke, through his entire writing, invites us, all of us, as his community of readers. He invites all of us to experience God. He invites all of us to hear this message that God is not met through ritual purification inside of a temple sacrifice, that God is met inside of a community, and he calls together communities of of listeners, of readers, and he says, come together. Come together and experience God together. Come together and know what God is doing. And he does it by asking us consistently, who is Jesus? This is interesting. One of, one of Luke's little things that he brings into the narrative. Look at this. Luke 5, 5. And Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing. But at your word, I will let down these nets. Okay. So we're asking the question, like, why is it at Jesus' word? 
who is this guy that can just command professional fisher pe- fishermen to do what they already know how to do and they know that what is going to happen they know no fish are coming that's what they know yet this guy who is this guy that just gives a command who is this luke 5 8 but when simon peter saw it he fell down at jesus knees saying depart from me for i am a sinful man O lord who is this jesus who is this Jesus that, that commands this type of attention? Luke 5, 11. And, and when they had brought their boat to land, they left everything and followed him. They just left their profession for a guy who just made fish show up. And they're like, not doing this job anymore. They, who is this Jesus? As a community of reader, you're sitting there going like, okay, seriously? Who? Who is Jesus here? Two more. Luke 5, 28. After leaving everything, he rose and followed him. Tax collecting was not a a bad job. It made good money. I'm just going to leave it. Who is Jesus that that, that commands that type of attention? Luke 5, 30. We see... um, Sorry. We see, and the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled and saying, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Who is Jesus that you can change the way that we do things? So Luke invites his community of readers to examine the story, examine the testimony, and start to ask the question, who is Jesus? And what has he done? What has Jesus done? And this is impressive because in the Jewish community, the response of Jesus' community tells us what we need to know about Jesus' identity. So who is Jesus and what has he done? We see Peter in a boat and we see that that God has come and provided fish in a moment and Peter's reaction is, go away from me. Wouldn't your reaction be, thank you so much? Like, Wow, that's seriously two weeks of work that you just took care of for me? Thank you? Wouldn't that be the reaction? But no, because Peter in communities recognized what I've, what I've already mentioned about the temple. He's already recognized that there's something out of line here. He's recognized that God has shown up and done something different in our life. And his community response is shock and fear. And he learned it. He learned it in Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter 9 is the story of Moses going up the, the mountain of, of uh, Mount Sinai. And in Deuteronomy 9, Moses goes up and he's like, hey, this is, this is, you know, here's the commands of God. And you see Moses get these commands and it's like, do-do-do. And then he comes down and the Israelites had created an image of a god out of gold and they were worshiping it. And Moses, like, just loses it because of this verse. For I was afraid of the anger and the hot displeasure that the Lord bore against you, so he was ready to destroy you. But the Lord listened to me at that time also. Moses' response was one of fear of of the retribution of God. Moses' response was... When God shows up, you better have your stuff in order. 
And so the Jewish community knew that if you're going to be in the presence of God, you have to have your stuff in order. So the natural response for Peter was to say, go away from me. My stuff's not in order. I am an unclean man. I'm not worthy. And so it's in a community that Peter had gained his understanding of what God was going to do. And Peter is sensing that fear. What's really surprising about both these passages is is Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse 1. As that story goes on, I don't have it open right now. I'm actually just going to leave it. Deuteronomy 10, 1, pretty much God says, okay, I've heard you. Let's go try again. Instead of saying, I'm going to destroy Israel and follow through on my wrath and, 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 you know, pour down the, the fire and the brimstone and all this stuff, God goes, I've heard you. I forgive you. Let's go do it again. And he rewrites tablets and they get sent down and Israel follows God. The response of God to Peter in this community setting is shocking because Peter rightfully, according to his community understanding of God, pushes away from God and says, I'm not ready. I'm not pure. I'm not good enough. And God says, but I'm asking you to follow me. I'm asking you to follow me in the condition you are in as the person you are right now, away from the temple, in community, follow me. Follow me. To, to Levi, follow me. The call of God today is follow me. So how do I experience God in community? One of the first ways we experience God together in community is through discussion. We discuss. We discuss what God says in Scripture, and we learn it, and we understand it. I said that my story led me to a point where, where I felt alone, and it was through community in, in late-night conversations in cars and coffee shops and people's basements sitting on couches It was in those times where we're having discussions and saying, what do you think it means about this? In Christian community, sometimes when we come together for church, we sometimes, in our small talk, we don't even talk about God. But we miss God when we forget to talk about God. What has God done in your week? What has God shown you this week? What did you learn? What did you experience when God showed up at a moment? Did God show up in a moment in your life? These moments of discussion build faith and they allow us to understand that God is here with us in the mundane normalcy of our life. God is with us. And we discuss it and we share it with our friends and in our community and we say, hey, you know what I learned about God this week? I was reading in Proverbs that iron sharpens iron, and I think that's so cool because the relationship we have, I feel like you just, you come and you sharpen me and you make me think differently than I would think if I was just all on my own. I think that's awesome. 
And then we have another conversation where it's like, you know, I was really praying that, that this piece of documentation was going to happen. I was really praying that that was going to work. And all of a sudden, God just made it happen. And praise God, thank him that he is involved in my life. And that might be one person's story, but when it's shared inside the community, it becomes our story. And our faith grows. And our experience of God grows. Where it might be a week that I've struggled and I didn't feel God at all. But when I come to Promise Church, when I, when I talk to people at break, somebody tells me a story of how gracious God was. And I'm moved and I'm encouraged and I remember that God is with me. God meets us in community. God meets us as we build each other and as we speak truth to each other here inside the safe place where we come and we gather and we say, hey, God is here with us. I don't need to be worried about judgment and, and saying the wrong things. I can actually just say, this was my experience. And God meets us in it. And I am blessed that through the testimonies of people, we experience these moments and we learn. See, some aspects of our theology, they change over time because we've talked to people in community and we understand, oh, I thought about this this way and in community, you've shown me through the word and through experience that it's actually this way. And I'm changed and I'm developed and I grow and we become more in line with the image of God, our Savior, Jesus Christ. We become more in line. And I want to encourage continual dialogue. I want to encourage continual dialogue. It's in community we sharpen each other and gain a better understanding of who God is. So our third value at Promise Church is appropriately community. We value God, we value our growth, and we value community. And so this is something that's important. It's so valuable because God meets with us in it, and he pulls us through our stuff because we're involved in community. I was at a prayer breakfast a couple of days ago, and it was, it was yesterday. <laughs> My life go so slow. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> I met, I met this prayer breakfast yesterday and I went, you know, like prayer breakfast, they're like they are, they can drone sometimes and whatever. And I didn't really know what to expect. I knew that I, I knew to expect good food. I knew to expect some prayer. What I didn't expect was the strength of the testimonies that came out yesterday the stories of family and marriage that took about 50% of the people in the room brought them to tears. The power of what was happening in that moment where God's grace was seen clearly by everybody in attendance reminded me how important our stories are. As God encounters us, we have to be telling those stories. So I encourage us at Promise Church to take times at break. Tell the stories of how God's encountered us. Tell the stories of what we learned in Scripture. Tell the stories of the struggles that we go through. Tell the stories of life. Because as a community, we walk with each other 
and we build our faith. So that's what I wanted to encourage you with. Apparently, we've got a question, which is wonderful. That's the purpose. Um, just a cl- clarification. Is it with the community, I in the context, that we experience God, or is it more so through the community itself, and maybe it's both? And maybe it's both. Through the community itself, we as Christians who have the Holy Spirit in us are able to see the kingdom of God. Jesus said that those who do not have the Holy Spirit because they don't, God hasn't revealed himself in that way to that individual, they can't see the kingdom of God. They can't see what God is doing. They're, it's, it's just like, what do you mean? God's doing something. And it takes somebody who has the Spirit of God to, to point it out and say, right here, see this? This happened, and this happened, and this happened, and this is the type of thing that God does. So we experience God through community itself, but it takes people who have the Spirit of God to be able to explain it and understand it. I'm going to show this through a story that happened three weeks ago. I was talking to a mom friend of mine. I have lots of mom friends. Mom friends because I'm the chair at the, uh, at the school that my daughter goes to the chair of the uh, school council. There it is. And uh, I have lots of mom friends. And I was walking home from dropping off Aaliyah with one of my mom friends. And she said to me, you know, I used to be spiritual. And I was like, oh, hi. Okay, Pastor Hat, (laughs) we're good. (laughs) And, uh, oh, I used to be spiritual. Okay, cool. And she just kept on going. I used to... When I was a child, I grew up, my parents didn't go to church or anything, but I kept on having these experiences where I was sure something more was going on. And I was like, okay, cool. And uh, I just listened. And she said, you know, this kind of thing would happen where, where all of a sudden I would just know something. She goes, but I don't have those experiences anymore. I don't really know if I care or I miss them as she's crying. And I'm like, okay, there's something here. There's something going on. I'm at the side of the, I'm on a a sidewalk. We've gotten to the point where she's supposed to go one way and I'm supposed to go to the other and she just stops and it's raining and she's holding her umbrella and she starts to cry and she says, I don't understand them. And I realized that I'm in a moment where this woman has experienced God in community and nobody has been able to explain the story to her. Nobody's been able to put the pieces together that says, you know, that experience and that experience and that experience, I can see the hand of God in that. Nobody's been able to give her a narrative that makes all of that make sense. And because we live in a secular world, there is no space for that. There's no secular narrative that says, oh yeah, those experiences that just happened, kind of write them off as coincidences. There's no space for that. It takes the Christian community to say, here it is. So we experience God through community and with the community. Okay, so regarding your comment about God changing his mind in response to the Israelites, are you suggesting that without their response, he would have destroyed them? Does God have a quick temper? Is God so easily influenced and so quick to change his mind? Okay, so this passage brings up this question a lot. This is the reference of Deuteronomy chapter 9. 
This brings up a lot about an angry God perspective coming from Deuteronomy chapter 9. This is because God's walking into a culture of people who their expectation of God is that he is angry. All of the religions of ancient Near East had a, had a position that I am here, God is there, God is angry because I'm not good enough. I have to do something. The onus is on me to do something to connect with God. I have to appease God's wrath. The assumption that Moses had about God going up the mountain, being like, you just broke God's command, he is going to destroy you, is an assumption based on the culture, not based on any other revelation of God. It's based on, here's the culture. We understand that the God, creator of the world, can't stand the, the humanity is so stupid and so broken, and, and it was a very repressive perspective of humanity, and, and they're like, well, God must be mad, and God's actual action is to restore. God's actual movement is to bring people close. And so if we know God through his actions and not through our, under, not through our presuppositions, then God reveals himself as merciful. Trust me. If God wanted to destroy the world because he was angry at how screwed up we were, we wouldn't have made it through the First or Second World War. We wouldn't have. God's action of grace says there's something way more. There's something way more. So does God have a quick temper? Nope, because if I was God, we'd be done a long time ago. Definitely not. Um, I, th I heard there's a couple more. What if we have nothing on Sunday to share with people? You have an experience. You have just what happened in life. You don't have to spiritualize it. You just have, this is what happened. You don't have to find the God thread and everything. You don't have to search for it. Perhaps as you tell your story, maybe somebody else will find it for you. Or maybe it's just a story and that's okay. And that's welcome and it's good. So you have something to share because you did actually have experiences through the week. You did have stuff happen in your life. You did carry emotions and carry thoughts and carry stuff. Share it. Be open. And know that, you know what? We can't be a community that's like, wow, that was terrible. You're a bad person. We cannot be that community. There's no room for that here. All right. Last one, I think. Can we share on Slack? Okay, so Slack is where we have our conversations. Uh, if you go into what's happening and you want to join that, you can actually click that right there. Um, I don't know that we have a spot that we could share. You can do it in direct messages on Slack um, where you want to tell somebody about something. I don't know if we have a, f a place where stuff like a general comment, you know, it, it depends on how sensitive that is to you. Um, if it's something that God did and you're like, hey, this is a cool testimony and you're actually really open and want people to see it, absolutely. You could post it in general. You could post it in prayers. You could be like, hey, let's have this conversation and let's do it. Um, and that's no problem. If you feel like it's something that's intimate and personal, I would suggest that you direct message people or you, you, know, you, you tell people personally because information share is shared better face-to-face. Let me pray today, and uh, oh, we have one more. How big is the community? What I mean to say is, do we live with our local church? Um, community is both local church here and larger. Um, so it's both. 
There are both. And we play with them slightly differently, but God shows up in both of them. Let me pray. God, thank you so much for your grace. Oh, man. Your shocking grace that when we aren't good enough, you call us out. And you say, I know. I saw that you were a sinner before I even called you. I saw that you weren't good enough. I saw that you weren't pure before I even called you. And so, Jesus, I thank you that you called us anyways. I thank you that even in my life, I I know that I'm not there. I don't measure up to you. The sentence is ridiculous in and of itself. But I know that you've invited me in. And that changes the game. That changes the perspective. That changes everything. So I thank you for your grace that you invited me in. For every person here today who doesn't yet know you and says, hey, I've experienced God in this way and God's invited me in, God, I pray that they would accept your call that's being offered right now to invite you in and to accept the call that says, follow me. I know you're not good enough. I know everything about you. Follow me anyways. And Jesus, I pray that as a community, we would be open, telling people about our lives and our experiences, telling people about your grace and your interaction with us. And through our testimonies, maybe it would draw people through their dry times, through their hard times, like it drew me when I was 19. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.